a brand new episode of the Happy Productive Podcast is about to begin. It's time to be inspired by simple and actionable solutions for you and your business. If you're an established entrepreneur or just laying down the first brick of your future empire, the mantra is the same. We will flip any failure into a positive and use it to our advantage. This show is all about turning coal into diamonds with the right plan and mindset anything is possible. I'm Jennifer Dawn, your host, business coach, and founder of Best Planner Ever. And I'm here to help you achieve all your ambitious goals. Success is closer than you think. Let's do this. Hey, hey, everybody. I'm super excited to kick off our happy productive today. We have a really cool guest. His name is Joel Green, and he's done so many amazing things like professional NBA player, has a pro training company, just amazing stuff. So I'm super excited to have a great conversation with Joel today. Joel, welcome to the show. Jennifer, thank you. I really appreciate it. We're super excited to have you here. Thank you for having me on. I'm really excited for the conversation just to, you know, kick things off. Excellent. Well, if you wouldn't mind, just introduce yourself to the audience and just give us, you know, a couple of minutes on just who you are and what what you're doing. Well, as you already mentioned, uh, you know, played professional basketball for some years uh, after being a Division One basketball player, which was, you know, a lot of work in itself. And just, you know, really decided to apply those same intangibles to the business world. And shortly after stepping away from the game of basketball, I would say probably six to seven years sooner than most anticipated, um, I started a company, uh, Pro Level Training, as Jennifer said, and has always had an itch just for business, always. When I was playing in Ireland one season, I got my business license over there. And just always, I always knew that I would do something. You know, I had about four or five businesses that didn't work out before I found what needed to be found. And um, I stuck with that and decided to retire from basketball early and, you know, just go ahead and see if I can be domesticated a little bit and stay home, sit tight. And uh, everything worked out. And, you know, I started pro-level training. Our company uh, turned a lot of heads because of the way we would train kids and Nike caught wind of it. And um, Nike Sports Camps ended up partnering with us. Mm-hmm. And by way, of, I became a national director for Nike Sports Camps. And root to all this, I was doing, you know, Jennifer makes me sound cooler than I actually am. But she said, I do a lot of cool things, you know, uh, sports and fitness, modeling and acting, featured on a TV show, commercials, and uh, just some cool stuff. Being on the cheeses box, things like that. And just um, a lot of really innovative and creative projects that I worked with and worked on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, beyond all of that, I'm a speaker, so I go and speak at different venues, which I love. It's my passion to really impact people, whether it be the youth or the many adults I talk to, entrepreneurial expos and things like that. So that's me in a nutshell. Oh, I love it. And look, when you get on the Cheez-Its box, you're cool. That's just it. Like you kind of made it to a <laughs> level of that's pretty cool when you're on the Cheez-Its box. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm still going for Wheaties. I haven't made it there yet, but you know, still, I'm going for it. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> One of the things that you said was I had four or five businesses that didn't work out before the one that you're in right now that is working out. Let's talk about that a little bit, because a lot of our listeners are all business owners and we all know that, you know, you're going to have a lot of failures. But if you're in if you're on that path and you're in that journey and you're failing, it's such a hard place to be. 
because you just feel like, yeah. you know, you're all alone, the world's going to end, okay. you know, there's nothing after this, you, you know, how, how right. we go. So talk to us a little bit about just some of those earlier failures that you had in business. Well, again, for me, I'll be honest, having an athletic background, it prepared me perfectly for business. You know, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. And that's what prepared me for having some losses in business. But I always tell people now I win some and I learn some. I don't, I'm undefeated now. I don't have any, I don't take any losses because every single thing is a lesson for me. So, you know, from that perspective, it allows me to keep moving forward despite a failure, as opposed to sulking, panicking, which happens a lot. You know, when we have failures in business, we panic and we get out or we panic and we change course when it's like, nope, just stay the course. And those failures became, it became midpoints instead of endpoints for me. Mm-hmm. So every time I would come up short of an initial goal, I said, all right, cool. Let me just take a look back and really just assess why I failed that I don't do it again. And just any failure I would say that I ever had, or, you know, anytime I came up short, I always reached out to a mentor and say, hey, look, what would you do? Someone that's more successful than me at, at that certain point in time, I'm like, okay, what would you do in this instance? I get as much advice as possible and I pivot as much as I can. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to sit still for me. So um, that's a blessing in disguise to where if I happen to come up short or fail, I'm going to keep moving forward no matter what. Hopefully it's in the right direction, but I'm going to keep moving. Do you think that like your athletic training kind of helped you develop that mindset? Yeah, I would say I developed a, co- a callus to defeat, just being honest. I didn't care about it. I knew that with every single defeat, there was a reason why I was defeated. There was a reason why I lost. There was a reason why I came up short. And if I dared myself to look into those reasons, not try to ignore them or brush them under the rug, then that rug wouldn't pile up and I'd trip over it again. So for me, anytime I, I came up short or I failed at something, especially in business, which was, was a different level of failure outside of sports, because I can't say it was more public, but... People relied on me in a different way. Mm-hmm. Money was involved in a different way. I didn't have teammates, so it was all on me. So I, I had to hold myself accountable in, at a different level, and that actually helped me. That pressure actually helped me work that much harder because I knew that people counted on me. Mm-hmm. And I've been a captain on different teams I've played on, so I was used to having that level of accountable pressure. So uh, I embraced it. I embraced it. You know, it's things I tell my athletes and I tell, you know, different organizations to embrace the fatigue. You have to embrace the fatigue. When you embrace it, that's when you tap into the second win. That's one thing I, I practice all the time. Anytime I'm fatigued, I'm tired of working on a certain project or I'm getting that burnout or that small word yet start kicking in, which can be damaging. I embrace it. I lean into it and just say, look, try one more thing. That's what always helps me out. Just like trying one more thing and saying, all right, like I messed up. Let's see what I can adjust and make happen. Very nice. Now your company, Pro Level Training, what what are you guys training? Tell everybody what you're doing. Well, we train, we've trained up to nine sports. So, you know, water polo, basketball, of course, that's my specialty, football, lacrosse, everything, soccer. Now we, we're really specializing in the camp venue. We've grown so much around the country where, Wow, we're in 16 states in about 35 countries, 35 cities rather, and we're in two different countries. We're here and we're also abroad in Canada. With that, 
we haven't gotten away from the individualized training, but we do more camps because now we can train the masses. So we did have a lot of camps and clinics around the country uh, by way of our, our Nike partnership. And we, we really, we show kids what it takes to get to the pro level. We know that everyone's not fortunate to make it there. So our objective is to say, hey, look, we know that you love Mia Hamm. We know that you love Steph Curry. We know that you love these different players, Serena, whatever, whoever the athlete is. We want to show you what they are doing right now in moderation, of course, and we'll deliver it to you so that you can truly know what it takes to get you at least to your middle school team, your high school team, to maybe get to college. And if you're fortunate enough to make it to the pro level, you have all the tools with you now, physically, as well as mentally, which is more important for me, to be honest. We, we give them those tools. I love this. So I would love to hear your take on. So one of the things that we've been talking a lot about. So last year, I committed to do a Spartan race. Um, Spartan race is an obstacle course race where you're doing distance, you're out on terrain and you're doing obstacles, Mm -hmm. many of which I can't do. It sounds cool, but it's just like, it's not very cool. (laughs) When you see some of the obstacles and I'm like, yeah, that's not happening. Let me go do the penalty loop. So I had committed to do one and then that kind of turned into three and then three turned into 12. And so last year I did 12 Spartan races And what happened though, was that my business revenues multiplied by two and a half times. And that to me was such a surprise. Like I didn't Mm. expect that result in my business when I increased my physical, what I could do physically. Mm -hmm. And I think you're the guy to talk about this because (laughs) you have you've probably seen this too. And it was one of the things that caused us to, we started actually this year, we just launched our unbreakable retreats where we now do three days of business coaching. And then on the fourth day, we go out and we do a Spartan race. And just the results that people are getting from these are really amazing of pairing the physical fitness with, or, or a physical challenge with, you know, business. And I learned so much about my own mindset just out on those courses of just, you know, digging in. And when you're like going through two Mm. miles of swamp and you're, you know, waist high in the swamp for two miles, you're like, yeah, I'll go sit and work on my business. Hiring that new person is not a problem. I can handle this. But I would just love to hear your take on this, this, the, the concept of your physical fitness and your success in business. Well, number one, kudos to you. That's, I know about Spartan races. That's that's nuts. Um, I haven't actually just did a 10K yesterday in Philadelphia and having to think about that plus going into the swamp and doing these. Other, that's pretty crazy to me. So I give you a lot of props for that. That's pretty that's impressive. It's crazy um, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm serious. I, you, you're going to have me interested now. I'm, I'm such a competitor. So I'm going to now look into a Spartan race. But um you know, like I'm, I'm big on the psychology side. I have a degree in psychology. I read on the mind every single day, read countless books and just that's, that's, that's what I love. So when I'm when I have an assessment with an athlete, that's the first thing I tackle. It's funny, even when I'm having a business meeting, I'm just meeting someone for the first time networking. I'm picking their brain. I'm picking their mind just to see where they are currently, to see where I can help or assist, you know, through that network, through that connection. And so many people don't realize the physiological connection and the the enhancement that can take place when you really challenge yourself physically. It enhances everything, you know, neurologically. It just it just does. I wish I knew the exact science behind it, but 
it just really increases your productivity. And I, I really believe that we feel that physical is harder than mental, right? When it comes to different tasks. So then when we see that we can complete various physical tasks, we believe in ourselves that much more mentally. We know like, okay, I can sit down and do this thing. All I have to do is think about this. I did that yesterday that was physically challenging. So for me, I take that on all the time. If I'm out running miles or just in the weight room, I know if I tackle that, I can sit behind a desk and tackle anything. You know, I can just sit down. I don't have to sweat to do that. And uh, I really believe it's an internal belief system that happens in addition to that the neurological, you know, things that fire to where we just, our body's just ready to work that much sharper. I agree completely. I think that was one of the things that I, by accident, kind of discovered is that mm -hmm. the mind creates so much nonsense and drama and mm -hmm. resistance. And in our businesses, it's like we know that we need to expand. We know that we need to mm -hmm. add a new product. We know we need to fire this person, right? And these are hard things. And the brain creates all this junk. And out on a course, they're hard. They're hard. And yeah. you, you come up to an obstacle or you're got to walk through a swamp or whatever, and you're out there mm -hmm. and there's nobody rescuing you. There's no like, oh, exit yeah, this door amazing. this way, right? right? And so- That would be nice. Yeah, right? <laughs> you still have all the mind stuff going, I can't do this, I'm not going to be able, I'm going to fail, but you have to do it anyway. The line yep. is moving that way and there's no turning around. So, and then you do it and you realize- I could do it. I could do so much more than my brain was telling me I could do. And it really helped me to kind of overcome that crap when I got back to my mm -hmm. business and to go, wait a second, I was able to do that. So I could probably handle this and to almost just somewhat mm -hmm. kind of ignore some of that stinky thinking. And I think in your training as a pro athlete, I, I've seen this like with pro athlete and I don't know anything about pro athletes. I, <laughs> I, I love sports. I love sports. Mm -hmm. And um, there you go. But as a spectator, oh. I've never played professional athletics, but the training, yeah. I think the training to be a pro athlete in that mindset that when you said it sets you up to be perfectly, to be in business, that correlation there is that, that mindset I think is kind of the key. Big time. Uh, I, I'll be honest, I can even relate that back to college. My last two years, I had honors as far as, you know, grades go. And I graduated college with honors. Those last two years, my training picked up significantly. I'm talking about I, I, I knew that being a pro was around the corner. So I took it that much more serious. And I said, OK, if I'm going to be a pro, I have to get myself in the absolute best condition possible and just be as sharp as possible. I'm going to be critiqued as much as anybody can be critiqued at this point in order to make it to that next level. So I, I turned everything up. Um, literally, I trained from nine to 11 hours a day uh, during my off seasons. And it carried over into my professional off season. I tell kids all the time of my regimen. I woke up 4.30 in the morning, four, a lot of times four in the morning, and 4.30 was a nice break for me to wake up. And uh, I used to love the 4.30 wake-ups because it was just like, oh, I get to sleep in half hour. But I would be out on the track by 5.15, start my workout there, and I would just go up until about 7 in the evening because I would have a pro-am game or something in the evening. And after training like that, my grades picked up. Really? Believe it or not, you would think that the fatigue would have kicked in and I would be too tired for all the studying. I, number one, now you, you can attest to this, I'm sure. 
you get more energy the more you expend. So like it's one of those delayed gratification things to where it comes on the tail end. And I, I tell people all the time, the fun isn't always first. You know, you got to suffer through. You'll enjoy the fun on the other side of the hard work. And that's, I think, one of the things you're kind of getting at to where, you know, the fun comes after you put in that physical, give yourself that physical attention. The mental is going to pick up. The business is going to pick Everything's just going to pick up and follow. I love what you said, that you were working harder physically and then your grades actually increased. It's that same thing together. I love it. I love it. Now, you're clearly a super successful guy. I would love to know, because sometimes it's easy. We listen to a podcast and hear about a really successful person and you think, oh, well, you know, they had it easy. And I always say to people, "Uh, probably not. And so tell us a little bit about just your upbringing. Did you like, you know, have everything handed to you or did you have to work hard for it? Like what, what did that look like? That would have been nice. Well, actually, it wouldn't have been nice to have everything handed to me. And I certainly, I didn't. I certainly didn't. Uh, I grew up in Philadelphia in an abandoned house in North Philly, to be exact. I was actually, the 10K that I ran yesterday was right across the street from my old neighborhood, which I make an effort to visit every single year just to kind of reflect on where I come from. And it's, it's, it's intentional for me because I don't want to forget what instilled the grind in me, just being honest. I did whatever I could to escape that in addition to what my parents were doing to help us escape as a family. But it was a rough upbringing. Like literally, you know, at, to give you context, at six years old, I'll never forget, in 1991, I was about 10 feet away from a shooting. And I was the only person there outside of the two shooters and the kid that got shot. And having to run away from that, thinking I was going to get shot in the back, at six years old, was... It's hard to even put any six-year-old, I have a nine-year-old son, and I remember when he was six, I thought back on that situation that I went through. I said, I, I can't imagine him in that situation. And um, just having to deal with that, it could be tra- it's, it was traumatic. I never forget, I went home and called my mom crying. She worked at an insurance company. I said, I, I don't want to live here anymore. I want to move. They, they saw me, they saw me, and I, I don't, you know, don't want to get shot. Anyone, let alone a child, has to say something like that. It's traumatic. And uh, so having that upbringing, I had a knife poured out on me when I was about nine years old. Having these type of things happen, you know, it bred, again, like I mentioned, a callus earlier. I developed a callus to defeat. I developed a callus to downturn, to be honest. You know, fortunately, I started off on the lower end as opposed to the higher end because if I happen to fall, I've been there before. I know how to get back up. Do you feel like your the earlier upbringing really helped develop that mental toughness of I I can fall and I can get back up because I've been there? Yeah, you know I, I would say it, it definitely helped develop that side of me. Again, you know for sure you, you need mental toughness in business and life. Period. It helped me so much because I, I really I saw what you can come from and achieve despite. You know I, I've been told. That, you know, my whole schools have been told in elementary, middle school, you're products of your environment. And as I grew older, my parents helped me to see that's not the case. No, your environment is a product of you. And once I really adapted that and began walking in that, I realized that it's true. You know, I'm not a product of my environment. It doesn't matter how terrible my environment is. If I change, the things around me will change. 
So I had to stop getting in trouble or just make sure I listened to authority. And the moment I respected authority, they respected me more. You know, I realized literally my environment is a product of me. And I applied that to the sports environment. Now I apply it to the business environment. If I up my game, my business ups. That's just how it is. Would you say that there was any particular moment where you made that decision that, you know, we're growing up in this abandoned house and you're seeing shootings? Was there any moment where you made any kind of like a decision, I'm going to get out of here or I'm going to do something different? Or was there any moment like that? Great question. I would say, I would say yes. And I was probably about five years old, believe it or not. My parents, they're big on planting seeds. They've done it sneakily. Our whole lives. I'm the youngest of four. Okay. So it was six of us, you know, in the house. Many t- again, it was, an, it was an abandoned house. So we didn't always have, we used to have kerosene heaters if you're familiar with those. But back in the 80s, and if there wasn't enough kerosene in one in the house, it was enough for one room. So we would all sleep on their bed, you know, all six of us, which I still, I, I promise, I don't know how it happened because we're a big family. I'm six, eight, you know, obviously I wasn't at the time, but my siblings are already tall. I don't know how we pulled it up, but all six of us would be in the same bed. And every, not every Sunday, but every once in a while, after church, we'll go get a water ice and a pretzel and drive across the bridge to New Jersey, South Jersey, the suburbs of New Jersey. And coming from a house that actually still had a couple boarded up windows, when, you know, and we had graffiti on our walls and everything. We had holes in the staircase. We used to play hopscotch around the holes in the staircase for fun. But, um, they would take us over to South Jersey to an area called uh, Glassboro, and we would go into the model homes. And I never forget, I was about five years old. I just the, the smell of new carpet and new paint in these model homes was like, wow, this is it's quiet. And you, I would see this water coming out of the ground. It was sprinklers. I didn't know what it was at the time. And um, I'm like, this is this is a nice neighborhood. You know, people out here just walking, and it's, no one's looking at you with a mean look. And I wanted that. That seed was planted in me at five. I wanted to escape where we were to get as close as possible to that because it, it smelled good. It, it, it was, it felt like it was sunnier out there, less pollution, just less trash. It, it just, it was a, a beautiful environment. And that seed that was planted in me made me work to make those rough things smooth later in life. I love that so much. I had a, not, I had a difficult upbringing as well. Our parents moved around a lot, an abusive father, things along those lines that had to be overcome. And I remember at 13 watching a news story on the news and my parents were watching the news and it was a, a girl who had been abused and and I think she had been murdered. It was a terrible, terrible story. Mm-hmm. But I remember listening to the story and hearing about what happened to her. And it was almost like the first time the awareness came on because it was like, wait a second, I've been abused like that too. And I was seeing the parallels in her story. And I remember at 13 saying, this isn't going to be how I end. I've got things in common with this girl of her childhood and her upbringing that were actually like me realizing, oh my gosh, like I've got these things in common with her. But making that decision right then, I'm not going to allow my ending to be on the evening news for this kind of a, a, a terrible end. And just at 13, just going, I'm not going to let this happen to me. And it's going to be different. I'm going to have a different life. And it sounds like at five, same idea. You were, maybe you weren't consciously aware that you were making a decision, right? right. right? And tapping into your power at that point and deciding 
I'm going to have a different life and I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to have sprinklers in my yard. Right. right, right. right. So powerful. And I always love, you know, people who are listening, it's easy to sit and go, oh, well, he's so successful. And he, you know, when you're a pro athlete and it sounds so cool and, you know, fantastic and think that, but I'm not like that. But the truth is like, you know, you grew up in an abandoned house and you were able to get out of that. And if you're listening right now, look, I don't care what the circumstances are you can get out of whatever situation it is. And I hope you're hearing this and inspired to know that a lot of successful people, it wasn't just handed to them on a silver platter. Like you had to work for it. You had to work hard for it. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Even thinking back to something you said earlier, and I, I mentioned, you know, I lost my older brother when I was 17. You know, I have two brothers and a sister. And, you know, for me, I'll be honest with you. So I, I speak on goals. You know, one of the main, I gave a TED talk last year and I incorporated goals. It was called Three Essentials to Equality. And I just gave three actionable steps for people to use. And I, I, I tell people often about these three steps. And for me growing up, I used to say, go, I didn't know I was setting goals, but I used to always try to distract myself what we were going through. And apparently I was setting goals you know, to achieve certain things. It was just so I didn't have to think about going past some of, this was during the crack era as well, you know, the late 80s, early 90s. And so you would walk past certain people in our neighborhood and you didn't know what they were going to do. You know, there were plenty of times to where I'm walking past somebody, I'm a little kid, and the guy just looks scared. You know, he's talking to himself. You don't know what's going on. And I'm like, all right, let me go the other way. Let me stop at the basketball court for a shoot around for a little bit. Then I'll go to the, the store later on. And I'll, let me go get up 100 shots really quick. It's a goal that I set for myself. I didn't realize. I'm like, let, me, let me go do that. Distract myself from that guy until he leaves the, the block. And then I'll go back when I see it's all clear. And I would just set these different goals for myself and just, you know, distract myself apparently. And um, just start achieving things left and right. And when my brother passed, it was suddenly we didn't he wasn't sick or anything. Tragic incident. I shut down for sure. But I discovered something. That was the exactly the moment I discovered something amazing. That I can I can get something great from something terrible. I didn't know before that point. I had, you know, when I was six years old, my my one of my older cousins, he was shot and killed. Out of blue. Someone came up to him at a bus stop, shot him, shot him and killed him. So I saw death at that point, but it was never in my house. Uh, the moment it hit my house, it, 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 it was, I felt it even more. And I shut down for about two weeks. I don't think I went to school for about a week and a half or so. But I discovered during that time, I made some promises to him during that time period. I said, I'm going to do better in school because he would always tell me, man, make sure your grades are up. College coaches want you, but you can't have terrible grades if you're going to go on to college. Make sure you get that scholarship. I'm like, all right. He's the one that started me off in basketball. So he was always coaching me. And um, so I promised him, I'm going to get a scholarship. I'm going to pick my grades up. And I never made an honor roll ever in my life. That year, as 16, 17 years old, I made the honor roll for the first time ever. And this was, he passed in February 16th, 2002. I graduated that June and turned my whole everything around the last two quarters of school, got a scholarship, Division One scholarship to college, made the honor roll, and I was the number one recruit for multiple Division Ones. 
I just discovered during that time, like, okay, you can actually have terrible things fuel your fire if you choose to. But it's our choice. We do have the choice to do it. And I tell my son, my son, we, we, we have quotes every morning. So before school, we, I created these quote cards. So while we're waiting in the roundabout to let him out before school, we're sitting in, I give him, I say, all right, pick a quote card. And um, one of the cards says, complain or correct. Complain or correct it. You have a choice. And so he knows that. So whenever we're going through something, he's complaining. I'm like, look, you have a choice right now. You can either complain about it or correct it. You got a choice. And he's like, all right, I know. So, you know, it's, that's, I discovered so much of those things during that time period. Absolutely. And so many people talk about post-traumatic stress. It's a very, very real thing. But what yeah. you're talking about is the post-traumatic growth, which is that beautiful part of something traumatic that happens where we grow as humans and we grow spiritually and we take it and we use it to fuel ourselves forward. And I'm such a huge fan of post-traumatic growth. Why not pull everything good and beautiful that we can out of a really bad thing that's happened. Absolutely. And, that, and that's exactly, you know, uh, you know, just finished my first book or writing my first book. It stems from what occurred with my brother mm-hmm. and it's called filtering the way to extract strength from the struggle. And that's, that's what I discovered. I discovered it during that time as far as man, okay, I'm struggling right now. I couldn't even, I promise you, Jennifer, I couldn't even talk without tears. I'm talking about sobbing tears coming out. I couldn't talk about anything. I couldn't talk to her if my friend come by, just try to con- console me. I could not see her. I couldn't see anyone's, I, I couldn't look in anyone's eyes. I remember it was hard to look anyone in the eye. I felt like they saw what I was thinking and I felt. And it wasn't until I, I began daring myself to say, all right, start talking to people again. You know, just do it. Whether you feel like it or not, they're here to help you. And once I leaned into doing that, and I remember my uncle came by to visit one day. He said, look, I know you don't want to see me. You don't want to see anybody right now. He came up to my room, my bedroom. And he sat on the side of my bed while I was laying down, face down on the pillow. And said, look, had his hand on my back. He said, you got to get up. You got to get up. You have no choice. You got to get up. You're still here. And once I had to take that approach and, and just realize that, that although my brother wasn't, I was, I got to keep living. And I had to extract something from it. And like I said, those promises I made to him at that moment, I said I can actually extract fuel, you know, from this situation to, to make this struggle turn into something successful. I love that so much. And you read my mind because I was getting ready to ask you about the book. And so it's like, oh, there we go right there. He's reading my mind about the book. And when I was in high school, my very best friend was 16 and she was killed in a car accident. And I was actually in the room with her when she passed on. And I remember just that, you know, I'm 16. I really didn't have much experience with death. It happened so suddenly. And I just remember that grief. And it was just for weeks afterwards. I know what you you mean when you're just like, nobody look at me, nobody talk to me because I'm just going to fall apart. And every time I had a private moment, I was falling apart until you kind of like can get it back together again. But I remember we had gone to like, my boyfriend was playing racquetball or something and we had all been best friends. And I remember sitting on the tailgate of the truck and they're all playing racquetball. And I just remember the breeze, the wind. And I, at that moment, I was just like, you're still here. And 
I, I know what that moment is and it's so powerful and it's so hard and it's so beautiful and it's so sad. And it's just like, but you do have to go on and you do have to keep going after these things. And so I love that you're writing a book about this. This is so, so good. So tell me like, when is it, is the book out? Is it coming out? Tell us about the book. Well, I'm super excited, of course. Uh, it's my first book. It's set to release in September. So September 6th is the tentative release date, but um, it's it's going to be a very impactful piece of content for, for so many people. It's six years in the making, believe it or not. Six years, I began, six years ago, I began writing the book, making notes toward the book, and I paused for a moment, especially during the pandemic. I wanted to take it in. I wanted to see what, what this thing was about. Is this going to be the next plague? Is this going to be an airborne situation like on the movies? What is this thing? So I took off for over a year just to really assess that. And even prior to that, I was going through some things. I took off a little bit, but I'm still contributing notes to it. But uh, I started it back in 2016. And I, I had the name of the book of it then, and I stuck with it and just added content to it over the years. And um, I, I said, I have to do this. I have to. People were telling me for 10 plus years before that point, you have to have a book, man. You know, you have to have a book. You you need to begin speaking. And I'm like, no, that's not me. Speaking? Absolutely not. Like that's, I'm terrified to get on the stage and, and speak. You know, and I came up under two pastors. Like, you know, my parents are, pre- are pastors. So I saw, I've seen my family on stage, you know, my sister, she's a singer. Like, I, I've seen it, but it wasn't me. My stage was a basketball court. And, um, but the moment I began hitting the stage and I spoke my story or just a small portion of it with minimal detail, people were in tears. And I said, man, this is, this, this is helping someone. This is helping someone. And they would come up to me afterwards and say, thank you so much. And I'm, I'm, I'm up there inventing my story, but then I realized my story wasn't for me. And, you know, what, the moment I took that on, the fear of public speaking left me, I realized it wasn't about me. You know, I became more selfless as opposed to selfishly thinking, well, I'm afraid, like, no, but they need what you have to say. And the moment I said, okay, I need to give full detail, full transparency, I said, I'm going to write a book. And um, the book is just really showing people how to properly make adjustments, how to pivot, how to get beyond obstacles, how to see things from different perspectives to where... There's, a, there's multiple vantage points when it comes to every single thing we go through. And if we dare ourselves to kind of get out of our emotions a little bit and see that, we can get a prize from everything. It doesn't matter how terrible a situation it is, we can get a prize from everything. So that's really what the book covers and so much more, a ton more. Um, but it really shows people actionable steps as far as how to extract something great from whatever you go through, even... If it's a victory, what a lot of people overlook is that we all want to repeat that victory again, but we don't always lean into that victory to extract what we did to get there so that we can rinse and repeat that process. So for me, I won two national championships in college at two different schools. And I took that to another, I took the same thing I helped my team do here and I took it over there and we did the same thing. And I learned over the years how it's, it's all a process. If you lean in and you take note of what the process is, you can apply it anywhere in life. So that's really what I'm trying my best to teach people and, and just let them know, hey, here's, here's what works. You can do it for yourself as well. 
I love this so much. So Joel, share with everybody if they want to go find out more about you, if they want to get the book when it comes out, where should they go to find you? Well, you can find me on uh, my website, which is joelbgreen.com. Uh, you can see a whole lot of information about me there. Some of the things that we discussed as far as the cheese uh, box and just some other uh, fun tidbits. But also on Instagram, I'm on there often, which is a uh, my handle is J Green, so J A Y Green P L T, J Green P L T um, on Instagram, and you can find me on Facebook as well. And I, I'm one that, believe me when I tell you, I, every audience I speak to, I say, look, please contact me, and I'm not one to ignore you. I, it's my purpose to to help people where I can help, to assist when I can assist, to help network. I'm a connector, you know. So if someone says, hey, how did you get with whoever as a partner? Here's how I got it done. And if I can, if it makes sense, I'll connect you as well. And um, that's one thing I'm always looking to grow in as far as business. I love just developing partnerships the same way we developed a partnership with Nike, with Body Armor Sports Drink, Dick Sporting Goods. I'm always looking for new companies, anyone who can help benefit us and we can benefit them. But yeah, so, you know, those are some of the platforms you can find me on. You know, we'll be getting some more information about the book out soon. We have a really cool book trailer that's being developed that I've never seen ever before. Uh, it's a 3D book trailer. If you've ever seen Moana, Toy Story, you're going to see some of the things I mentioned throughout my life. This trailer is going to detail it. You'll see it to a T. Some of the experiences growing up that I had, the good, the bad, the ugly. You'll see it all in a book trailer. It's going to pull people in like I've never seen before. That's so exciting. Awesome. Uh, Good for you. Like really and truly good for you from where you came from and where you are now. And I love how you've turned it all around and you're just helping to put good out into the world and break some of these chains of, you know, violence and trauma and things like that. And I just, I love the work that you're doing. Thank you so much, Joel, for being here with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, you guys. I know there was a ton of amazing stuff from today's show. I hope you really enjoyed it and get out there and have a happy, productive day. Bye, everybody. I hope you found today's episode of the Happy Productive Podcast inspiring. Every successful business is formed by a set of small, consistent, and attainable steps. If you want to learn more, come visit us at jenniferdawncoaching.com to take your next step and learn how to meet your business goals. On our website, you're going to find free resources along with links to the life-changing coaching programs that have transformed the lives of so many of our clients, including the Coaching Academy and our Unbreakable Retreats. Many of them started their journey by listening to this podcast. That's it. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next episode. the She Leads Podcast Network. This is the She Leads Podcast Network.